Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. And today we are joined via Zoom with me and Luke. How are you doing, brother? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Can't complain. It's a bit chilly here in Sydney. I, I, we, we, you know, I just had the, um, the heater warming up the studio for the last hour just before we recorded. So it's pretty toasty in here. It's nice. Well, well this room is always cold. That's why I've got my woolen jumper on. And mm-hmm. it is the best jumper ever. It's like wearing a blanket. It's the best. <laughs> that's what we need. Yeah. We're a little bit soft, but it is cold and we're not used to that's <laughs> what we're used to. So yeah, we don't cold. really have like a winter, like, you know, I'm sure if anyone's listening from like Europe or Canada or even North America, like, you know, our winter, like today was I think nine degrees when we woke up Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but you can look that up if you can be bothered. And it got up to like 21. So it was actually pretty nice in the middle of the day. There's probably places yeah, in the world it. where it doesn't hit 21 in in Ever. summer, let alone winter. Yeah. So, we, yeah, exactly. we can't really complain, but we're a bit soft here, I think. Yeah. Well, apologies for everyone that was waiting for last week's episode but didn't get released because I was unwell and it took me some time for my voice to come back. So I had no voice to talk to. And also it was my son's birthday and we had a party for him. So um, we had to set our priorities and yeah, it was unfortunate. And then I was supposed to record one yesterday and it didn't actually record. So I thought it wasn't meant to be. So we took the week off. So, um, but yeah, I'm looking to keep our to main thing, our main thing, you know, exactly, exactly. Sometimes that's family. Um, sometimes that's, you know, so paid work, work right? opportunities. This yeah. is a bit more of a, a labor of love. We do love doing it, but yeah, I think we've gone pretty well. Like we, we were almost two years deep and I think that's the first week we've ever missed. So yeah, exactly. It was the first week ever. And I don't know, did we speak about this last time, but we have hit 50,000 downloads. Mm-hmm. Did we speak about that. Well, if not, well, congratulations again, because we're excited. It is a good mm-hmm. milestone. Thank um, you to everyone for listening. Like we don't just yeah. do it to hear our own voices. Uh, and I hope you guys get something out of it. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's the best thing, man. I'm at a party and someone asked me about, oh man, my dog's digging the yard. I'm like, oh, you got to listen to the digging episode of the mm-hmm. podcast. So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's a catalog for us to refer back to. And, and we, and I know that people are doing that as well between their friends and that's the point of it. So it's as much um, it's for awesome. your sanity as anything else. Like you just refer them to the podcast rather than explaining the same how did, thing. How did you get into dog training? You have to listen to episode one of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the best, but, um, today's a much, um, um, pretty sure we haven't even really um, delved deep into separation, distress, and anxiety. And that's what today's all about. And mm. funny, uh, we've come this do. far without um, talking about it really, because it's such a common issue for our clients and, you know, dog owners out there. And even like when I first got shadow, he had some separation issues. So, you know, everyone's probably experienced it on some level. Well, I guess the reason why it hasn't been specifically addressed, because if you do all the things that we advise to do, we generally wouldn't have this issue, but we are going to speak specifically about it because um, I think that's really appropriate, but it's true. I th- one of the points that I've got here is that we must do all the things that 
are necessary for fulfilling our dogs biologically, mentally, physically in all those areas. And usually if you have a good management system, good structure, a lot of the issues are very mild and can be remedied very quickly just on their own. But Mm. um, if you're gone through the episode, if this is the first time you've ever listened, then we're going to be referring to to other episodes because of that exact reason. But it is true why it's been this long and we haven't even addressed it. So I guess here we are today, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess the first thing I want to talk about, we always call it separation anxiety, but not all distress is anxiety. Maybe it's mild forms of anxiety, but mm. when we but we have to be careful about how we use the word anxiety because it is a medical term and not- How do we define that, right? Yeah. Well, like, I, and- you can sometimes it's like a medical medical anxiety or sometimes we talk about anxiousness um, mm. and maybe there are all different forms of anxiety. And I do believe that, but when we talk about like real high levels, separation anxiety, we're dealing with like dogs that are so stressed where they're uncontrollably shaking, they're, they're, they're eliminating in um, inappropriate areas, they're escape artists, they're self-mutilate like they chew themselves um, raw. Yeah. So, so many like that, that's like the worst case of it. And a lot of the times what we see is just the dog is a little bit uncomfortable and distressed because he's outside on his own. And we have to make that clear distinction before you know how to fix it. And I guess another reason why we haven't talked about it is because every single individual situation varies and to give a blanket rule of how to fix it can I wouldn't say dangerous, but it's, it may not be complete, but, um, but anyway, I guess the, the main, the main thing of why dogs do have this distress is because they never, ever experience having proper time on their own, especially mm-hmm. from young. Mm-hmm. And that's what do we thing. say, right? Like be- begin with the end in mind, right? So you get a puppy at eight, nine weeks old, you know, if you show that dog, let's say for the first two or three weeks. And like I, I made this mistake even with Shadow. Um, realistically, for the first two or three weeks when we had him, like he was never really apart from us other than throughout the night sleeping and maybe like an hour or two here or there, but like never for like a decent amount of time. And I, and I think the first time I probably overshot the mark by leaving him home alone for too long and he, and he did show, you know, distressed behaviours and he – he chewed a hole in the in the wire door, like trying to get back in because he's like, well, he's yeah. never seen that picture before of me gone for, let's say, three, four plus hours. Um, and so, why wouldn't he expect that to be um, distressing? You know, like he he doesn't he, he's never he's never seen me come back after that length of time, right? So you got to show him that 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 is going to happen. Exactly. Good point, and good that you pointed it out that you we can hear about it and know about it, but doing it it's, it's a time consuming thing hmm. you know like to put him outside you have to put him like at that time he had to be comfortable with being there for three hours mm-hmm. so you had to get up to that three hours rather yeah. than going from the 20 minutes to the three hours that's yeah. where you yeah. got really distressed yeah i didn't i didn't set aside the time i guess because i was just so busy with the general nature of like dealing and owning dealing with and owning a puppy that that's, that's that young, I never, I, I failed to incrementally increase those durations, let's say over a 14 day period to, to each day, maybe add whatever it might be, 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. Right. And intermittently like reward him for showing calm behavior outside where I ultimately want him to be 
um, alone when I go out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Well, well said. I think um, well, I saw a client yesterday. She has a staffy and the dog's around eight months old. And we walked inside and it was just, it was too manic. And she's like, do you want to chuck him outside? I'm like, that's awesome. Chuck him, chucked her outside, the door closed. The dog wasn't stressed out or anything, just hung out at the back. But, um, and that's really important where she can spend that time outside. It was like 25 minutes that she was outside or whatever. And there was no dramas. However, she leaves the doggy door open for her to come in and out. So she's always inside. And the result of that is that it wasn't an anxiety um, issue. It was that she just hasn't practiced putting her outside and closing Mm -hmm. the door. Mm -hmm. Like it hasn't been a practice thing. So then maybe one day over the next few months, as she gets a little bit more mature, and maybe two set in that routine is that somebody comes over, they're scared of dogs, they chuck them outside and the dog barks for the whole three hours. Mm. And that's where, is it anxiety? It's just, it could be attention seeking behavior where we mm. think it's anxiety. And then we go too drastic. Oh, the dog's barking when we leave him outside. You don't want to just medicate him straight away just because he's barking when he's outside. And mm. you don't want to be too harsh either. And we're going to talk about um, a few techniques on how we can fix it. But a few things is get into that good habit from young, as you said, we shadow right from when we, and we can listen to all the um, puppy, um, puppy 101 episodes. We discuss all of that. And also, if you just get a dog, a rescue dog, dog's a year and a half old, and what do you do if the dog has never learned how to be in a backyard and so on? So you want to have some systems in place, make sure that your house is fully secure so he can't escape the yard because when the dog's distressed to find you, they'll get out to find you. But also start working on techniques and getting them used to being outside, not spending that whole three, four, five days with them. And then you have to go to work and that's when the dog freaks out mm-hmm. and yep. good like, management. You know, yeah. There's analogies for this, right? Like you, you, if you, if you're going to, I don't know, learn to ride a bike, you don't, you don't go and jump into the tour de France straight away, right? Like you go around the block. So it's a short duration and, and then you just gradually add to that over time. Right. And so like, like you said, like you don't start with three hours, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. Exactly. hundred percent. And then that's where we think, oh, well, I got the dog on Saturday and I have to go back and work on Monday. Well, you should probably allow some more time for that mm-hmm. transition because mm-hmm. you may need to do a couple of days of work at home and then you need to spend some time in the front of front room of the house while the dog's in the backyard and then and working on things like that. So have a system in place. Don't wait for the baby to get so bad before trying to fix it because that's a lot harder to work on. Um, so, yeah, so talking about what techniques we should use is that we want to desensitize the dog to that environment. And the best way will – there's heaps of different techniques and we can go so deep on it, but we'll give the most basic of um, techniques to work on. And it's really simple is that we, let's just say we got Rocky and he's a year and a half old and we put him in the backyard, make sure the, the yard's secure. He can't get out. We close the door depending on the dog's behavior. If it's 30 seconds and you haven't heard any barking, you open the door, you mark it, you reward the dog, chuck some food on the ground, close the door again, do this three, four, five, six times in a row. If you're getting success, let the dog back inside. And then I would probably go after a a couple of repetitions of around that 30 seconds to a minute, I would open it up to two minutes to five minutes. And then each time that you get 10 times out of 10 in a row of that sort of duration, five minutes, then we move on to the eight minutes. And then it may not be that stringent. You may go five to 10 to 20 and you can double the time. Once you you get get to about an hour. Yeah, exactly. And once you get some success um, around about, one hour, the dog's generally pretty calm for the for the hours to come after. It's our first hour where they kind of get a little bit panicky. But we have to also remember that 
how do we reinforce these behaviors? So if you've got a glass door and your dog's barking and every time the dog barks, you look at them, you've now reinforced that behavior. It doesn't have, not all reinforcement is a reward. Like we didn't, you didn't purposely go and give the dog food, but you looking at the dog while he's barking, you have now showed him I looking at you is a one step closer to standing up to walking over to open the door. Yeah. So he's operant, right? He barks or he scratches or whatever. And he's learned that that level of behavior will elicit a response from you. It may not be necessarily coming inside, but it's getting attention, like you said, and, and then it's a behavioral chain. So what's the next step? Oh, mum looks at me, then she comes to the door, then she opens mm-hmm. the door, then I come inside. Yes, exactly. And then sometimes the people try to correct the behavior, you know, stop it, but you may as well just say good boy because nothing <laughs> happens after saying stop it, right? Yeah. Um, and if the dog's in real anxiety, you can't punish that, like not positive punishment anyway. You should, um, you can wait for the dog to stop showing a certain behavior and then reinforce the behavior, but you shouldn't punish anxiety. It doesn't make sense. But if it's attention seeking, for example, the German Shepherd today, he wasn't, ang- he wasn't having anxiety because he was outside. He just wanted to be inside, mm-hmm. right? And he knows to be outside, but he chose to, like there's intermittent times where he will try the behavior. So in, in that moment, they're just walking up and, and giving a, a quite a firm bang on, on the, the wire gate, um, the wire screen door. Yeah. Um, he just stops straight away. And then what we did to reinforce it was we didn't feed him any food is that we opened the door and we let him inside. So we show him when you do the behavior we like, you have access to come inside. And this will also tie into why it's so important to do crate training. Even with that one and a half year old dog that you got from the shelter yesterday or from puppyhood, start crate training your dog. So that, that can alleviate three quarters of the separation issues. If we can just teach the dog how to be on its own. And the good thing about going into a crate and of course, listen to the crate training episode that we put out is that it's a conditioned relaxation. The dog goes into the crate and he knows he switched off. And we've talked about that heaps of times and that gives your dog the skill to be able to be on his own while not having so much access to kill himself in the backyard or freak the whole neighborhood out with his barking and freaking and, and carrying on. So I think that's really important. You, the crate is such an important tool. And if you're not using it, you're missing out. I now, think just on, your, on dog- your, sorry, uh, just on your point earlier, um, you've got to think about wh- like we talk about reinforces and rewards and for the average pet owner, they possibly think of that um, in terms of food, in terms of gameplay, in terms of that kind of thing. But a reinforcer is whatever the dog wanted in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you said there with the sh- with the shepherd, like you let him inside. So that was his ultimate reinforcer. You could re- you could mark and pay him with food for being quiet, definitely. And he and he'll probably take the food, given that he's a dog and he's probably hungry and he likes a high value treat. But ultimately, he wants to be let inside, and it's just like well, when the dog does anything, what is he trying to get from you? is it something you want to give him or is it something you don't, you don't want to give him, right? Or is like, is it a behavior that we want to reinforce or not reinforce? Yeah, exactly. And also same dog, different time of the session, we reinforce him not by letting him in, but by going outside. Mm-hmm. So when we put him out the other time after we did what we had to do inside, he just went to the door. He kind of jumped once or twice. He's like, well, whatever. He lay down after like three minutes while I was discussing something different. Um, he was calm. He was quiet. We went outside, but you don't go outside while he's making the noise, which can be counterintuitive because we think, well, the dog's stressed. We need to be able to give him love and affection, but 
that's the problem in the first place is that you're probably <laughs> coddling your puppy or your dog so much that the dog doesn't know how to be on its own. And some dogs are genetically wired to be more, um, and some breeds are, uh, have more likelihood of, of having that anxiety. For example, like a poodle or like a staffy can, can be more likely compared to other breeds, for example, Labrador. Yeah. But that's not a set rule, obviously. But, um, but genetics play a big role of it as well. And, um, and it's an instinctive behavior. Like dogs are pack animals. They're supposed to be together all the time. So when one gets missing, he will show that behavior and that's, they howl, they bark, and then they find their pack again. Right. So we, and we should do that with, with ourselves as well. How many times do, um, how many people actually spend time on the, on their own? If they're on their own, they're on their phone or they're watching something. That's not alone mm, time. That's such so a, we can point. even have anxiety about missing out that's a whole FOMO thing it's that <laughs> have some time with yourself you know yeah. it's important what, um, what are your thoughts on um in terms of let's say like the you know the backyard let's use that as a it's a it's a good example right because I would say you know other than the people who are possibly living in apartments um you know a lot of dogs are probably in a yard during the day while people are at work um and like for me I found a lot of success in putting a lot of reinforcement history in the yard. So Shadow only gets fed outside. There's no food inside the house. Um, he only gets play outside with me. Like he has a chew toy, like a tug. He, he has a tug that he's allowed to chew on inside the house, but he, That's cool. we never, ever, ever play with it together. Um, okay. So point being like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, enrichment outside the house. I've set up a, uh, you know, a tie down strap up on the pergola so he can have sort of like a one player tug game while I'm out. There's different toys, balls, whatever, while he's outside. The, the theory being that, you know, the more enriching and enjoyable that I make the yard for him, then he has less reason to act up or feel distressed when I'm not there. 100%. Totally. And I always come, and that comes down to our last episode talking about giving our dogs too much freedom too soon. And also talking about Marcia Castle. We don't play games in the house. It's a Zen palace. We chill out. Outside is where things happen. And exactly what you're saying is if you make outside a, a, a place where it's normally okay to be, then it, that's where home is where most mm -hmm. dogs. And I'd be surprised and we see how many times dogs have access to inside outside all the time. So then they just screw the house up. They never learn how to be outside of the house. So then when they do, it's a big, big shock and surprise to them. So as you said, do all of those things to add to that, do all of those things while your dog eats outside and plays those games outside with no access to go back inside. The door isn't left open. So, because a lot of people say, oh no, but my dog spends heaps of time outside. Yeah, but he knows that he can come through the doggy door to come back in whenever he wants. As soon mm -hmm. as you close that doggy door, he freaks out. And that's what needs to be practiced more. Yeah, your dog spends time outside, but, the, but there's no access to come back in. You've got to let him in. I think that's really important. Yes, and you do that he, with Shadow, he's right? got a doggy door. That's There's no real, it's not, he's outside, but it's not, doesn't really count, right? Because he has that um, free will to come and go as he please. If you're, yeah, like with Shadow, we don't have a doggy door. So like yeah. it's, yeah, if he's outside, he's outside, man. And like he, exactly. he loves it out there now. Like he's, honestly, he's, I would argue other than at the moment, he doesn't, like this is his first winter. He doesn't seem to really like the cold. Like in the morning after I feed him, he's, at, he's back at the door pretty quickly. Um, and, and some days he wants to play in the morning, but other days like I'll feed him and he'll do his business and then he'll come back and sit at the door and I let him inside and he'll just get straight back in the crate and just chill out there, you know, for a little bit. So it's fu it's funny watching that. Um, 
other than that, he's quite happy to be outside. I would argue he, he's like when the weather's nice and warm, he's happier out there playing and, and left to his own devices than he is inside because again, we don't play inside. I don't let him act rambunctiously or, or, or wildly, you know, jumping around and whatnot inside the house. So he can do whatever he wants out there within reason. Um, if he's inside, he's generally, these days he gets a little bit more freedom. He can, he's either in the crate or if, if he stays on the sofa with inside of me, then that's cool. But like, I don't let him just freely roam the, you know, both yeah. halves of the house. Yeah. And that's one of the things we we're going to talk about. But one thing I wanted to um, mention before I forget is, desensitization of putting your shoes on, picking up your bag, picking up keys, doing all of those things because those are triggers and cues to your dog. That's right. And, um, and I think that's, that, that was a big sign where we saw like a few weeks ago, a German shepherd Husky cross and he found a way out through the back gate or back fence. He barged the fence down and he got out and he came back to the wow. front door and he was, and then what happened was the yard and he'd never done that before. And he's like seven years old, but, he figured out to do that. So then what they did was they barricaded it a little bit and then he found another way out and then they barricaded that and then he found another way out. And then now we became really resilient with getting out. And what they need to do is come up with a management plan to keep him contained, whether they have him in a, like the yard's pretty big. So either you completely secure the whole yard or you have him in an outdoor run until he stops learning to escape. We were inside the house and when we walked out, it was no problem. But as soon as she, I said, Hey, go inside and pick up your keys. And as soon as she did that, he started barking and freaking out. So homework was pick up keys, walk outside, turn the car on, drive the car out of the driveway, slowly and sneakily come back kind of to the front yard when he stops making any noise, which didn't go for very long, but there was some distress. We would mark and reward. And he's like, wow, I didn't know you guys were around the corner. With and <laughs> Surprise. Because, and she had the option of working a couple of days at home, I think. So she was able to be a bit more flexible with what, how she did it. And it wasn't like 100%, but in two weeks, there was some significant improvement. Mm -hmm. But um, That's a really and, good point as well. Like the significant improvement because, you, you know, a lot of my clients, I think some of them can be quite self-critical and, and it's super important to remind you and I'm constantly reminding them of where we started. Like I say, think about the day that you called me, right? Assuming that it's behavioral modification, like think about the day that we first spoke and then think about now, maybe that's who knows three or four lessons later and like acknowledge yourself and the dog for the, the work that you guys have put in together to make progress. Cause there's no such thing as a finished dog. Right. Exactly. Especially like if you've got a dog that's got a like, who knows, six months, a year, two years of whatever this behavior might be, you're not going to fix it in a few weeks. Realistically, you know, you've got exactly. to tip the scales in, in the right direction in terms of time and practice of the correct behaviors. So you, it is super important to acknowledge small wins along the way. Well, we did. Our, I totally agree. Today's group class that we did, like there was 10 dogs and like six of the dogs are reactive. And so that's the point of the class is to work in close proximity with other dogs and work on focus on handler and obedience and everything else. But I said to him is like, there's a couple of blow ups and I'm like, look, we're not like, don't be discouraged when your dog lunges and reacts and barks. Like you, you expect that that's, that's what we're working on. You know, that's what's been the issue. Don't just focus on the blow up or the incident. Look at, 
the recovery time? Is your dog bouncing back and coming back into a natural place or the, the desired state of mind that we're working on quicker and sooner than last time or last week or last session? And if you can see those incremental improvements of how much they bounce back, like for example, we're talking about separation, distress, put the dog outside and within a week, instead of embarking for three hours, he barks for 20 minutes. That is like huge. That's like amazing. You have to see, but we're like, but he's still barking. I'm like, yeah, but exactly to your point is that we say, if we're going to wait for the dog to just stop barking, then it's super easy. And there's no place for a dog trainer because it's an easy thing, but it's a difficult thing. And you have to give yourself your own reinforcement. You need to work on your own dopamine system to know that you're on the right track so you can keep up the practice. Because if you've got that much significant success in a couple of weeks, imagine six months. Mm-hmm. So I think um, exactly to your point is, and then with any skill development is look at where you've come, look at compare yourself to yesterday, those sort of ideas to, um, to make incremental improvements. It's, it's exactly mm-hmm. what um, separate the best way to deal with separation anxiety is all in incremental pros. There's no, mm-hmm. like you, very rarely can we make a one, one consequence and it all just gets fixed. Then it's not really a, a bad problem, you know? Um, yeah. And um, so I think that's all we can talk about in terms of like techniques and how to fix it because, but definitely desensitize the, those dogs to the keys and the shoes, the shoes and the bag and all those things are classic. So you pick them up, yeah. put them on, do whatever you got to do and continue watching TV and cook dinner and whatever, whatever. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Show the dog that like me picking up the keys. So like the reason that they are, possibly showing that distress is because every time like keys don't mean shit all to a dog right the only reason they mean anything is because every time you pick up the keys you it means mum's leaving the house and that might be like the the, the, let's say the first step right into in leaving the house but if you show the dog that me picking up the keys doesn't necessarily mean anything by picking them up and then the dog's calm or, you know, wait till it calms down and then mark and reward. And then, like you said, just put the keys back down and go back to what you were doing. It's the same way, like when you leave the part, like some dogs who don't want to recall because recall only happens at the end of the play session at the park. And they're like, no, fuck that. I don't want to go home. Right. But if you recall the dog intermittently throughout the session and show the dog that we can restart the game, like recall doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it could mean, it could mean we're going home. Me picking up the keys could mean I'm leaving the house, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that. Well, it's a Pavlovian thing. Keys always mean you go keys make me anxious because now I'm going to be on my own. Actually, in fact, I'm already feeling, I'm already alone because your keys have been picked up. That's right. Because the the keys have conditioned classically to the feelings of distress when you've already left the house, right? Those keys reliably predicted something else, which reliably predicted something else and so on and so forth. And then knowing this before you even have that dog that's coming tomorrow, then you just start doing these things. But the dog will pick up a thing. It's not like he's... That's why I say even go to the point of driving your car, turning it on and leaving, go yeah. around the block. Like I did it with Ace and I've said, I've said this before on the, on the show as well is, okay, actually, let's talk about this one real quick. Speak to your neighbors, share your details and be a point of contact. And again, I've said this before, but I'm most appropriate to talk about it now is now I would say that Ace, when I left him on his own, wasn't in anxiety. He just had a habitual behavior that he thought every time I bark, I feel like you're going to come home. And actually, in fact, he was doing a lot of barking and I had no idea until 
one, this is when I live with my parents, until there was a letter in the mailbox saying, your dog's been barking, he's distressed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, he doesn't bark. What do you mean? Nobody ever. Like I had obviously no one knew that he was barking because no one was home. And then I went to my neighbor. I'm like, oh, it's ridiculous. And she's like, oh, yeah, he always barks. I'm like, why don't you tell me? She's <laughs> like, oh, I just dogs bark, you know, whatever. I'm like, all day? And she's like, yeah, I just, whatever. It didn't bother me. And I'm like, that's craziness. So speak to your neighbors. Bothered so, her enough okay. to write a letter. <laughs> no, this wasn't her though. So it was a random letter. And then I spoke to my neighbor going, oh, someone left this letter about a dog barking. I'm like, does he bark? And she's like, yeah, every day. I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? Um, for like six months he'd been doing it or something. Anyway, so <laughs> when we moved to, um, to our place, when me when I moved out, straight away I went and they, um, to my next door neighbor and I'm like, hey, look, my name's Panos. Here's my number. We've just moved in. My dog does some barking and I really don't want it to be a problem. Actually, in fact, I really want to fix it. So if you hear barking for more than five minutes, please call me and let me know. He's like, oh, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, no, no, it bothers me. It's my problem and I really need to fix it. He's hmm. like, okay, no worries. And I got a call once and I was at an event and I answered the phone. He's like, hey, look, it's Angelo. Um, just, you know, just letting you know your dog's been barking for like 10 minutes and you told me to call you. So I'm letting you know. I'm like, that's awesome. Thanks so much. So now I know this is like about a week after moving in. So I, one day I had some work to do, some admin work. So I jumped in the car, drove around the block, walked back home, started doing some work in the front yard. He didn't know I was at home and I have two gates, so he doesn't know that it was me. And I heard him starting to bark, 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 bark. So I, like while he was barking, I walked up the driveway, jumped over the fence and I corrected him. I just yeah. gave him a slap on the ass. I'm like, but don't do that. And he's like, what the hell? Where'd you come from? Um, and then I ended up going back inside the next day I did the similar thing. I left for the same amount of time and there was no barking. So I went back to the fence or to the gate and I marked it and I just chucked heaps of food over the fence. I jackpot. did that. Yeah. Massive jackpot. I did that a couple of times and it stopped. So mm. that was a mild case. I wouldn't say it was excessive, even though he was barking for a long period of time it was easy for me to fix. And I knew he wasn't, in anxiety, I knew it was an attention-seeking behavior. So that's why I was able to correct him the way that I chose to correct him. Um, yeah. And where if it was some dogs that are panicking and are having an anxiety attack, for you to punish that would be wrong and ineffective and slack and inhumane and everything else because obviously the dog's um, in a panic state. How can you fix that by using punishment? It makes no sense. So you need to build confidence and clarity. But you're yeah, speaking to your neighbors, especially if in an apartment, got a new puppy, you're going to be telling everybody. So they, you become a point of contact and it's not the council that gets notified or strata. Um, and you said before about enrichment. So provide as much enrichment in those areas, whether it's in an exercise pen, whether it's in the crate or whether it's in the backyard. Um, or on the balcony, wherever it is that your dog needs to spend time. Um, loads of enrichment, so your dog has got something to do and finds value of being in the backyard. So very, um, very important. I think just quickly it might be worth touching on um, separation distress and how it applies to two dog households, especially like I've got a client who recently just got two puppies and so – knowing what I know and, and learning from you, Panos, and I was really onto them, like you must teach the dogs from a very young age that they will regularly and intermittently and totally randomly be separated. 
at all kinds of intervals because otherwise they will. You just... mean two pu- sibling puppies? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they've come from the same litter, and like I was like, you can't let them rely on each other. That you have to show them like that they will be separated both from each other and from you, and all varying combinations. Perfect. Yes. Really, really important. Good, good advice. Um, and crate trainer, if you have two puppies, you like if you if you if you have two puppies and you any inexperienced dog owner, then you've done the wrong thing. But if you're there and you've done it, crate train your puppies so they're spending the night on their own. They're spending training time on their own, and you're switching them over. As you said before, your walks regularly, um, randomly doing it individually. That is like such an important thing because that is real anxiety when the puppies get separated for a day because one needs to go to the vet and they're eight months old. That's when we have full panic attacks. So yeah, hundred percent. What pup, what breed are they? Border Collies. Yeah. Are they good dogs? Good puppies? Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. Border Collies are cool. Um, we, I'm a bit biased though. <laughs> of course, for sure. I like border collies, but I prefer kelpies. Yeah, I got um, best of both worlds. Hundred percent. He's so cute, man. <laughs> yeah, he's a good-looking dog. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we got lucky. Yep. Yeah, he's awesome. Seven months um, old uh, yesterday, so he's he's growing. He's uh, wow, seven months. He's uh, I reckon be almost he'd be almost twenty kilos now. He's uh, I haven't weighed him, but uh, just picking him up, like I can feel it, you know. But he's so he's got the kelpie body, like he's very lean. And if yeah. like, I'm, it's not like I don't feed him. Like he's eating like two and a half cups of kibble a day, um, yeah. and you know, but he's just super lean. That's good. Yeah. Keep him lean. Yeah. Um, anything else to add for enrichment? I reckon just fill up. I, I think the bottles. yeah, yeah um, fill up Kongs. Um, I've recommended to quite a few clients now the um, the tie down strap from Bunnings and the tug toy combination because mm. like I mean. I've had a lot of success with it. Like it was just something, it was a total random idea that I had when we got shadow. I was like, oh, I'll just try this. And I introduced it to him from a fairly young age. And like, he fucking loves that thing. Like I, even when I put him outside now during the day, if I'm home, like I'll, I can hear it when he tugs on it. Cause it makes like a dunk, dunk, dunk sound yeah. on the pergola. Um, but it's, I think it's just more interesting than just like a toy on the ground because he can bop it around with his nose. He can chase it. He can pull it as hard as he wants. It's not going. It's not coming off. Occasionally, the knot does come undone, but I just redo it. That's pretty rare. That might be, might be once a week. He gets it. He get manages to get it off the actual tie. But um, yeah, it's very very um, very useful. I guess the overall theme is like the more reinforcement, positive reinforcement, the more enrichment you put in the yard. It just balances tips the scales in your favor the dog has less desire less need less inclination to even show any sort of you know uh, distress or, or negative behavior because he's just enjoying himself out there yeah so a good one to use is old milk carton or you know a, um, any soft drink bottle take all the labels off cut holes in it a decent amount so when the the, the bottle rolls around um, the food that you put inside comes out easily yeah. And over time, those holes in that bottle get smaller and smaller and smaller until you can stab some holes in it. And your dog learns to like destroy the bottle, gets the food out. As long as your dog's not swallowing these, the contents, um, like any plastic and thing like that. So supervise them at first. Do things like that. As you said, interactive toys and it can be homemade. Do whatever you got to do. Cardboard boxes. Give your dog stuff to do, especially when they're young. Um, and that um, saves them being stressed out and 
chewing your furniture and your door, but also, as you said, it wears them out mentally. So they've, they're like, Oh, I've done something. Now I'm going to hang out and relax. And mm. you got to do that. We, um, even- we, we've got the Kong wobbler. So very similar concept, but it's like purpose made. So it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a shape, like a giant Kong and it's made out of a hard plastic. So not a rubber, like a normal Kong. And then it's got sand in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's too, you screw it, unscrew it. And then it's got like a one hole in it, probably the size of a <clears throat> piece of kibble. And you can put half a cup of kibble in there and the dog can like bop it. And it kind of rolls around randomly and spits kibble out. And it's awesome. Keeps- Just make sure that once the, when you get back home, you, take these things away, especially the wobbler because it can like lose some value or they destroy it. But the good thing about the bottles is that they can demolish the thing, completely yeah. kill it. And that takes them a good half hour to an hour. So um, you want that destructive behavior as well as the mentalness of doing the wobbler and bobolots actually, I find bobolots better. Bobolot has a option. The window can open and close. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find like the Kong one's a little bit too big and it empties too quickly. With yes. Bobolot, you can make it, it doesn't last. Smaller. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't last very long to the point where like if I'm feeling lazy, I will use it to feed him a meal because I know yeah. that he'll generally get it out, all of it out within sort of 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Well, you can make the Bobolot quite frustrating and they're working at it hard, you know, so it depends on the size of your kibble, obviously. Um, now, you don't want to frustrate the dog possibly too much though. Well, not the beginning, definitely not the beginning. So you can open it all the way and it comes out heaps easy Mm -hmm. and then you can shift it as much as you want. Levels, Um, yeah. But then the bad thing about it is that it's harder to clean where the Kong one is heaps easier to clean. Um, Structure in the house, we've talked about that in like every single episode, Um, management, 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 Um, listen to Master Your Castle episode, listen to Too Much Freedom Too Soon and everything else we talk about. Have structure. You can't, dog hunters roam the house Mm. and- Look, if your dog's well balanced and completely calm and whatever, I, like you've won the lottery for talk. starters. Yeah, well, that too. But we're talking <laughs> about dogs that are stressed out and they can't be on their own. You can't just give them all this freedom in the house and yeah. it's their house, and then you put them in the backyard. They're they're completely out of routine. So this is something that comes up with, um, particularly with puppy clients. Like, and and it's a fair question. They're like, you know, how do I how do I stop my dog from doing X Y Z? And it's like. Just don't give them the opportunity to do it in the first place. Like so much of what we could call, you know, quote unquote training, especially in the early months, it's just good management. Don't set the pup up for success. Don't give it an opportunity to perform a repetition in the wrong direction, you know. And do tie-out exercises, things like that. Like the puppy today, he's peeing everywhere. I'm like, yeah, but you're like cooking and the dog's in like three rooms away. Yeah. How do you know yeah. what it's doing? You know what I mean? So yeah. There's another another vote for, for crate training, man. Like if I yeah. wanna if I if I you know, I can put Shadow in the crate at any second, any minute of the day, he will run to it because of the reinforce the way I've reinforced it over time. And he's on an, such an intermittent schedule now that he literally just about knocks the crate over to get into it because yeah. He just, he's such a gambler with it. Mm-hmm. And then I can go and have a shower or I can go and do the washing or I can go and do whatever. Cause he's still not at a point where I can trust him in the house. And mm-hmm. that's like, so what? He's a seven month old puppy. I would, I, I manage that by controlling his, um, like I've heard Pat call it like the aquarium, right? You're closing down, making the aquarium smaller, giving him less opportunity to do the wrong thing, basically. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that helps with the separation related things because you that structure is structure and confidence stops aggression and anxiety because it, a confident dog doesn't need to be aggressive, doesn't need to be anxious. It can be confident, calm in the moment. You know what I mean? And I think mm. with structure inside the home, it helps every single thing. It's a, it's a, one of the fundamentals, one of the basics. So you got to get onto that. And another question and probably the last thing we'll talk about for today is do you work from home or is somebody always home? So if grandma's always home and the dog never ever has any opportunity to be on its own, how does it know to be on its own when it's a wedding that um, that's this Sunday and everyone's going to be gone for the day? He's like, I've never spent an hour Correct. on my own. Because we didn't begin with hours. the end in mind, right? Exactly. So are you working from home? Don't spoil your dog. Your dog should be next to you. Your dog should be in another room. You should be in another room. Your dog should be in the backyard, on the balcony, in its crate. You need to do that because um, you're taking for granted. It's like, oh, my dog's super calm, but now – if one day you notice you can't even go to Coles and back because your dog freaks out because you've left the apartment, especially apartment living. That's where we can get heaps of issues and people are more sensitive in apartments because we live super close to each other. So, um, and the way to remedy it is not to hire a dog um, walker every single day and a pet sitter every single time you need to go to a friend's party or leave the house for an interview or whatever it is. Like you can't keep, feeding the problem. You need to get to the solution. Now you may need to do some of those things in the interim in part of your technique of fixing the problem because you like, we talk about crate training, but what you're going to crate him at night and then crate him all day. And he spends two hours outside of the crate. So if you are at the extent of having crate training works, you may need to get somebody to come every couple of hours to let him out, give the dog to go to the toilet, run around, maybe do a training session, come back in. He may need to do that for two or three, four, five weeks. And then slowly, gradually open up that duration for the dog can spend his time on his own, whether it's in the crate or in the yard. So there are times to compensate, but the last thing we want you to do is be spending so much time with your dog all the time and not noticing how much your dog doesn't know how to be on its own. So that's something to ask yourself, especially since COVID and heaps of people working from home, separation, anxiety, and distress became a massive thing. And the way to combat it is begin with the end in mind, as you said. That's a good point. Um, I think as the, you know, vaccinations and whatever rolling out and I guess a lot of companies are probably starting to try and get people back into the office, dogs that have been purchased within the last 12 months and have spent possibly a lot of time with their owners who are working from home and now, only now, are going to be shown that picture of, hey, mum's not around 24-7, that's where these issues could start to sort of rear their heads. Yeah. It's happening already when people are getting back into a routine. It's, mm. um, and we're surprised by it. So that's why – and look, and there's a problem with the, the nature of what we do is that this is a podcast where you're probably either listen to it because you love listening to us, so thank you, and you're soaking up all the info, or you've got the problem and you're trying to fix the problem. It's a reactive the, thing. And that's yeah, human the, nature, you know, like you, you don't get cool the PT too. till you've got to lose 10, 20 kilos. So I get it. You know, people people that's don't cool. necessarily want to – there's no problem to fix until there is a problem to fix, right? And then that's kind of like how dog – you know, your pet dog, I guess, side of things is viewed. We are kind of – Ultimately, we are sort of often brought in as problem fixers, right? So well, the, it yes. is a reactive nature. Exactly. But the real point is that we 
the best way to fix it is by never creating the problem in the first place, right? So that's, that's the, the most annoying we wouldn't answer. have clients. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. That's a that's a good problem to have sometimes, yeah. right? That's the um, ironic thing about it all is that like a lot of what we do is fixing things that we would encourage people to never have possibly created those issues in the first place. But anyway, that's a whole other episode. Well, how about some people that just go, hey, man, I got the puppy and when I first got him, he just, he sleeps outside from day one. Yeah, he freaked out for the first, you know, couple of days, couple of bit of barking and, and, and a bit of distress. But some people indirectly just it's their own common sense to be like, yeah, of course the dog spends time and he comes in when I want him to be in, he goes out. Like some people just have that and they never have the yeah. problem and they don't yeah. have to hear this or know anything about dog training to do that. Yeah. But it's about finding that balance because you want to love your dog, but also you need to have some form of discipline and boundaries in place. So um, some people, yeah, have puppies can, some puppies are doing a whole eight hours in their crate. Um, of a nighttime with no toilet train, no toileting issues, no barking, no freaking out. And it's, um, and some people just stick to it and they stick to their guns. They're very persistent and it just happens. And some pups are blessed and, um, with better genetics for that thing than others. But, um, if you stick, be persistent with it, we can assure you that you're going to see improvements. And if, of course, just like with anything, any other advice we give is that if you're struggling, don't just listen to this and only try this, you know, hire a good balanced dog trainer and someone who's had good experience to help you with this sort of issue because it's time consuming. And I'll be honest, I hate going to the sessions that there's separation anxiety. It just, mm, it's so tedious. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't like it, but I know I can help them. But most of the time, actually, I forgot to write this down. I need to say it is that not like the full blown anxiety cases, but, and a lot of the times, but a lot of the general separation issues 75% of them are fixed just by regular exercise, regular training, give your dog a job, structured walking and structure in the house. Just by doing that, boom, the problem doesn't even exist anymore. Within a week, it's gone. It doesn't even that's right. mean anything. The separation and distress is a, a symptom of possibly yeah. a larger um, yeah. something that's not being fulfilled within the dog. Totally. And I think that's the best place to wrap it up on because I think it's the most important. So. All right, let's wrap it, it up. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. See you guys. Until next time. We'll see you then. Laters. <laughs> <laughs>